welcome to the Serpent Temple podcast weekly review. You may notice that our sound is much better, but to compensate, we're much tireder than usual because we've had a week of extreme upheaval. So we're going to sound professionally weary this I had a haircut. If <laughs> I did have a haircut, <laughs> I need a haircut. I tried to oil my hair and now I just feel like um, very greasy. So yeah, that's great. I can I can slide over surfaces very easily right now. Um, but yeah, let's talk about what we're going to review today. We're going to be looking at Akakoka's iconic album, Words That Go Unspoken, Deeds That Go Undone, released in 2005. Then our mid-album is going to be Cobalt's Banger, Slow Forever, released in 2016. And then we're going to be looking at Spectral Law? Wounds. It's <laughs> <laughs> Spectral Wound. There are like 10 bands with Spectral in the title, yeah. so forgive me. I knew it was Spectral. I listened to the album. It's very good. Spoiler alert. Um, Spectral Wound, released in 2021. So let's start with the album names that I can pronounce um, and... Band names I can pronounce, I guess. Akakoka. What do you think of Akakoka? So we all know what I um, think. I don't think it'd be remiss to say that we're all pretty big fans of the band, right? We're pretty enormous fans, yeah. I mean, it's your introduction into the metal sphere, really, isn't it? Them and System. Yes, they burst my cherry, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty apt considering the. <laughs> it's <laughs> album quite <model>. a yeah. <laughs> metaphorically similar to their lyrical themes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's. Um, I've been uh, the first Aka Cocker album I listened to was um, uh, the Goat of Mendes, the Goat of Sam Mendes, <laughs> um, and I'm looking forward to seeing that performed live in full this year at Damnation. Fuck yes, at the pre-show. Oh, I need to buy tickets for that. Actually, it just reminded me. You definitely do. I think they only have like 200 left. Or yeah, something. sure. I'll get on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. This is. Um, I really like this album because I feel like it's quite a good. Um, culmination and representation of their core sound mm. and uh one thing i found out when i was doing a bit of research which i never knew was i just presumed because this is the uh first album to feature matt wilcock of the berserker on guitars mm. and um i presumed he wrote the guitar parts but apparently he didn't it was actually scanlon that wrote the guitar parts yes it was i believe oh. he got kicked out um and then they just got Wilcox to play a lot of them. But I think he, maybe he wrote some. I don't know. But I feel like it's Antichrist is the Wilcox Wilcox album. I would say yeah. Wilcox, no. but I guess it's both. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tomato, tomato, potato, <laughs> potato. Wilcox, Wilcox. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, it's, um, I think it's got, I, I think this album has got like less of a, a, a frenzied approach. Like definitely in like um, a lot of the guitar work, like, you know, like a lot of the leads and solos mm. are a bit more kind of traditional sounding, for lack of a better term. I think they've come into their own more yeah. um, in this album. I feel like, I know the, the guys love Rush and that's one of the reasons they like really kind of hit off as a band and I feel this is a more rushy album like yeah. you can feel the the kind of more proggy elements coming in definitely makes sense with all the sort of transitions like a like shelter from the sand which I think yes. is one of my top five maybe even top three Akakoka songs it's my number one Akakoka yeah. song for me I thought it was I couldn't remember but um, yeah. the amount of transitions in that are just unreal there's so much in that one song that mm. is just completely... It is a masterpiece. I love that song so much. Yeah, I mean, it's just the... Uh, what, what was the fucking... The bit... I've got... I've time-stamped it. Three <laughs> minutes, 29 seconds, when he's uh, fucking laughing <laughs> over the track. <laughs> just, just just love it. It's just so, like... The, what I like about Akakoka is, um, like, 
you know when you listen to say uh, a second wave black metal band or sort of a, a satanic uh, death metal bands that's uh, you know where it be a a day aside or whatnot mm. like you know that doesn't sound um inherently let's say satanic for lack of a better term until you delve into the lyrical yeah sort of the lyrics <laughs> the lyrical lyrics <laughs> um but what's great about akakoka is they sound satanic the uh, atmosphere is like peak satan but it's yeah. kind of like more esoteric i would say as opposed to satanic it reminds me of like a 70s hammer horror film of like that i mean they literally sample bits of like you know stuff like that but it reminds me of like christopher lee and and like just in a room being like you must not delve into the dark magics you know it's just <laughs> <Yeah>. like that yeah. <laughs> it's great i love the i love the atmosphere and the fact that um, mendonza's just like acting the character he's like taking on the like personas of of these like horny satanic people well, I think that's what's great about, like, especially the vocal delivery as well, sp- uh, specifically the uh, clean vocals is they are very uh, theatrical. They are. And uh, it comes across. And I think, you know, it's great because you could tell, like, obviously they take the music very seriously and the composition, but you could tell, and when you watch them live, you know this as well, that they're having fun. And there's, yes. there is an element of, you know, that they are aware of, not, not that it's corny, but they are aware that it can come across quite hammy at times. It's, it can be a bit a kitsch, but it, it's really fun. Like, every hardcore akakoka fan will pretty much be able to read off like most of the clean parts of like any akakoka album (laughs) (laughs) it's like iconic especially if they're playing live there'll be people screaming and like screaming along with like even the spoken word intros and stuff like that it's just they're so fun to engage with as a listener and i think that's part of why i ended up actually being able to get into them as my first ever like metal listening experience because I listened to Antichrist and I, I loved the cleans and they were really easy to sing along to. And I, I don't know if it's because I'm like a huge fan of the opera fan. Like I love really theatrical um, like musicals and stuff like that. And I also really loved the darkness and the anger and the extremities of the music and how that juxtaposed with the cleans. I thought it was so cool. And I just love... I love Mendonca's delivery. It's, like, so unique to him. Yeah. Yeah, no. So Antichrist was the first album mm-hmm. you gone to, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good album to start with, I think. Yeah, you're, you're totally right. I think um, a lot of times in the more extreme subgenres, um, not enough time is devoted to the actual phrasing of yes. the vocals. Yes, So, and it's very, like, run-of-the-mill or by-the-numbers and you know, it's you know, either Chuck Schuldiner or John Tardy worship or... Um, but I think, you know, what they've done is really present something that's unique. And and it's funny because I think we've talked about this before where it's like that sounds kind of like rippled out and had a snowball effect and all their sort of sound projects, sound projects, side <laughs> projects that they've done. You know? yeah. And it's um, it's quite a, a distinct feature of that kind of London yeah. scene. But totally. it's... Uh, but no, yeah, I just echo that sentiment 100%. And, uh, and when they reformed in 2016... Um, I think I saw them live at first at Bloodstock, which I think was their first show back. They might have had a show in Camden before. I can't remember which was first. Not sure. Um, 2016, literally. I mean, 2020 feels like five years ago, so 2016 feels even longer ago. It's weird, because to me, it feels like five minutes ago. I was like, wait, did Akakoka reform so long ago? Because it feels like I went for a really long time without Akakoka. Because I remember seeing them, like, in 2007... 2008 and then i didn't see them for like 10 years yeah or something like that it was like a really long time yeah it felt like a long time when they were gone yeah 
but yeah, it was. Um, I don't know. Time's just fucking weird, though, isn't it? It's so. It's. I don't. I don't understand it. But yeah. um, I really want to echo your point about people singing along because I think. Um, <laughs> I think they think they opened with "Son of the Morning." Oh yes, yeah. And uh, it was just surrounded by loads of Akakoka fangs, <laughs> all out of tune, singing along to her, <laughs> which was a pretty, uh, pretty, pretty special but equally funny experience. It is it's such a nice experience um, to be able to go to like a really heavy metal show and to be able to sing along and have like those moments and then like, and then also have the bursting into like frantic, heavy fucking riffs and cool transitions and the drum. I mean, we have to talk about the drumming as well because yeah. I think that is, I mean, Akakoko is amazing in that every single musician is so virtuosic and talented. Like the guitars are insane. The drumming is like probably, in my opinion, the best drumming that you will find in heavy music. Um, I think Grey is like, un, like just ridiculously underrated. I don't understand why more people aren't like, look at this guy. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just because the band's still quite underrated in the wider sphere. True. Yeah. But no, I mean, he's an absolute like beast on the drums. Like he's because um, you get a lot of people that can that can blast beat but it doesn't sound too controlled. Like it's not, like mm. he could maintain the groove and like the cool symbol work while still transitioning, transitioning, transitioning yeah. and um, like you know, blasting his socks off. Uh, like, I don't off, know if so. you've seen, like he has, they usually have like the drum cam at their shows. So you can go on YouTube and watch him drumming. But even in real life, like you see his wrists blurring, <laughs> his hands and wrists Jesus. and like literally blood as he's drumming like I can't even I, I just yeah I mean his it's it blows my mind how fluid and easy he makes it look while he's just like moving around the drums like a cartoon human it's yeah man that's, I've had so much respect for just fucking well him and just expert drummers in general yeah. there's one track uh, Eyes of the Dawn which has some really one thing I love about this album as well is I really like the production on it like everything is crystal clear and like you can even hear him like choking the cymbals of certain parts in the song and then this song in particular it's got such solid like blast and cymbal work like you know that is just so kind of reminds me a little bit like um i'm not the biggest fan of the band but um dimu ball gear <laughs> their drummer nick barker is just yeah. an absolute fucking blast maniac as well cool. but does it in a way that's so like i don't know it's still quite groovy and fluid and it it sounds effortless yeah and that's what i get when i listen to him drumming as well like it, it sounds easy for him yeah i remember reading about so for a really long time i, I basically bought their uh, renaissance and extremist like cd bonus thing of like a book on how the band formed and they have like this huge bit about rush and i think after that i listen i've listened to rush before they're a great band but i listened to them next to Akakoka and I was like this is eerily similar in a way that you wouldn't expect with like the drumming and the way the kind of stuff flows in the songs is actually like super shelter in the sand sometimes yeah. and like I never I, I was I could never compare David Gray's drumming to like anyone else's but now when I listen to Rush I'm like that's David Gray drumming well that's funny because the interesting thing is David Gray writes a lot of the lyrics for Akakoka right I, I, probably. I think so. I mean, he is very into the tits and Satan thing. I think he does. If, he, if, if, if it's not, I apologise. But I think it is. And the interesting thing is Rush, Neil Peart, yeah. or Peart, however you want to pronounce oh, it. Oh, does the drummer write the lyrics? He writes all the lyrics for Rush as Damn. well. And he is one of the main sort of composers of Rush as well. Oh. Like, he is one of the most... I mean, like, Neil Peart is... Or Peart, I think, is a pronoun 
the correct wow the correct <laughs> pronunciation yeah how 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 fucking apt is it that i fuck up the words correct pronunciation <laughs> but um but he is uh lauded as like one of the best like what's <laughs> them laughing at the corner of my eye. one of the most like fucking like um most musical best drummers of all time mm. i mean like and i mean i love rush and it's but it's you're right. Like when you listen to them on first glance, it's not, it doesn't become, it's not so apparent how good they are mm-hmm. t- from a technical perspective. Yeah, totally. But when you kind of like delve into the actual, um, and they were using like polyrhythms and weird shit before, you know, fucking Tool was ever a thing. Yeah, it's true. I mean, Tool just fucking suck anyway, but um, come and fight me. Uh, but yeah, I was going to, like, another thing that I I think is cool about the band is that a lot of the album art, well, this is the only, this is pretty much, this and Renaissance are the only albums about tits on the cover or bums um, or just general nudity. Yeah. There is a little bit of nudity on Antichrist. There's like a, there's a cleavage. Um, the one with like the green header. And, yeah, uh, yeah, it's I like got the strip, it's yeah. got like a strip of like, a collage of, of breasts and bodies and things. Um, but yeah, like this, if, when you open up the album on this, there's like a beautiful drawing of like a lady with enormous jubblies and a goat and like loads of flowers. And, and it's just really beautifully done. And David drew that as well. And he, I think he had like some comic stuff that he did and it's all like very large breasted ladies, but it's actually drawn really well. And like, I do like, I do like his style a lot. I think it really suits the album. I just really like that you're like, oh, no tits, and you open the album. Ah, like big tits, yeah. There's <laughs> big old tits, yeah. And there's like a goat with a boner or something, if I remember correctly. It's great. Tiggo biddies. <laughs> yeah, mad respect, really. Like, the whole band is so talented. And, and shout out to Sam Loins, of course, who's a, a podcast alumni as well. Yeah. It's the second Sam Loins band that we've reviewed. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, we'll do voices next week. Oh, of course, yeah. And yeah. then the week after, we'll do uh, fucking other bands, Antichrist Imperium. We should do them too. Yeah. Of course, naturally. But so have you got any particular... Well, I mean, I'm, I'm presuming that Shout Out From The Sand is your favourite track off the album, if Hands that is down. your favourite track of all time. It's my favourite track of all time. I love it so fucking much. Um, yeah. I remember one of the my Akakoka highlights was seeing them perform this at Desert Fest London at the Electric Ballroom. They were like a total wildcard band. They were like pretty much the only, I think they were on before I Hate God, which is a pretty yeah. good billing, I think is a good place to put them. But they're very much not a Desert Fest band no. in the usual sense. But I do think they worked incredibly well. A lot of people were very confused, but I remember they played Shelter in the Sand and it was like, it was awesome because I'd never in a live setting, apart from like at a festival, but not with Akakoka, heard so many bands that I like in different genres next to each other. And it was so cool to hear Akakoka and be like, they're much better, <laughs> way better than like 99% of any band at Desert Fest. And they were my favorite band, hands down. I think Sleep were playing that year as well. So Damn. it was it was pretty, it was really cool. And a lot of just watching high people be confused by Shelter in the Sand was definitely a highlight <laughs> yeah. and just like really enjoying those mad transitions and like dropping into those beautiful vistas of like the bridges they have and the cleans. Yeah, because they've got fun. that moment where it like, you've got like the uh, the church bells and then it transitions yeah. into like the piano keys. Like was that was that sound of, was that back and track or did they do that live? I don't think they did the uh. church bells live. Maybe they, maybe David has like some triggers or something. I, I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure Sam, he has like a laptop and he presses some buttons and I think that triggers the the like sounds because i remember when they played the underworld that's where i met shem they couldn't they couldn't get the seagull sounds to work 
<laughs> in the Renaissance track. So they asked the audience to make seagull sounds for the uh, intro. It's like that band, was it Dom Lawson's band, Oaf? Oaf, oh, I actually have them on CD. Fuck off Seagull, was right now, something like that? Yeah. Something for Seagull. My favourite Oaf song, it was like, oh my God, it was a, he had a, Dom Lawson had a dream where he had massive bollocks but a tiny penis and it's called Massive When Flaccid, Tiny When Erect. <laughs> and he had to like carry his balls around in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> Shit, I saw a documentary about a guy that legit had to do that. Isn't it called like Elephantitis? Yeah. Is that what it's called? So, yeah. yeah. Big old balls. That sounds very painful. Yeah, it, l- it looked painful. There's a South Park episode about that too, isn't there? Where South they give themselves ball cancer. I haven't watched South Park for probably close to 20 years. I've watched about five South Park episodes and that was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That's my South Park knowledge. What I found cool about Shelter from the Sand, which I never knew until I'd done a bit, bit of research, was um, there is like a slightly adapted uh, Watchmen quote. No way. And it's when he says, uh, this town is, uh, what's the exact lyric? This town again? is afraid of me, they have, for they have seen yes. my true face. Yes, yeah, so, but in Watchmen, it's just like, this town is afraid of me, for I have seen its true face. Is that the Joker? Or that's the comedian? Ra- that's Rorschach. Rorschach? Yeah, it's oh, Rorschach. Oh, shit. Quote, <laughs> was it the Joker? Is it the comedian? <laughs> 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 I've only just realised the like parallel between them as well. Oops. <laughs> Oh, it's funny when you, when you said the Joker. It just reminds me of this time. <laughs> Completely fucking irrelevant. But, yeah. Um, my younger brother, who remained nameless. I know which one then. You know, but he um, he mispronounced the word Joker once and <laughs> ended up saying it in a in a northern <laughs> accent. He said Joker instead. So, <laughs> so every time I see anything Joker related, it's like hey up, it's the Joker. <laughs> so stupid, but it still fucking kills me. Oh, I love it. But nah, it's um, like Shelter from the Sand is just such a fucking opus, I think. It's, it is beautiful. And like the whole rush didn't make sense because I didn't really, I, I wasn't actually aware that they were big fans of them. But, you know, when you listen to um, uh, 2112 by Rush, which is their like, you know, 20 minute song, which is just has a similar, you know, like different like um, acts, so to speak. And it's just really, uh, yeah, just it's really impressive when bands manage to have so many transitions but it still remains quite fluid. It's like seamless. They're not just doing it to yeah. be like, oh, look, another transition. I'm incredible. Look at me wank on this guitar. Do you think that was the inspiration of 21 Seconds to Go, that run to, that Rush song? What, So Solid Crew? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> Sorry. I just I st- could, it's just in my head looping since you said st- the word 21. <laughs> <laughs> I still quote fucking Romeo from that song when he says, uh, two multiplied by 10 plus one, Romeo done. <laughs> I mean, that was just, that's Genius. lyricism at its finest. I mean, we could all learn from that, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, this, I think um, I want to give, definitely give a shout out to a lot of the guitar work on this album. It's got some really crunchy, yes. like proper, I'd say more so than previous albums, like legit, like actual, like death metal segments. It's fucking beautiful. Yeah. Because whereas, um, I think Goat of Mendes was um, a pretty, uh, uh, pretty much well balanced between black and death metal i felt like this was more of a death metal album mm-hmm. in my opinion so Coronson was a little bit as well yeah but that had like more like it was and the thing is like you know they're, they're a hard band to categorize because they've actually got quite a unique sound that is yeah quite characteristically them so but like i think there's definitely moments in this album i was like okay this sounds like some old school death metal shit and and i used to think that was because of matt wilcock because obviously coming from berserker who are for those that don't know, are an Australian sort of um, death metal, death grind band who are just massive Carcass fans, really. It's just a Carcass worship band with a super fast drum machine. 
Yeah. Is so, it insanely fast drum machine? Yeah, I think they actually had a real drummer for the second album. Well, did, and it David still Gray sounded like a drum some, machine. He did some drumming for them. He's listed as being um, a member um, oh, no on the Encyclopedia Metallum. Oh, there you go. And they're never wrong. Oh, of course not. No. No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike the Agricola website, which... Uh, <laughs> if you, so, basically, whilst doing research for this episode, uh, I stumbled on, upon the Agricola website, which I used to frequent a lot when I was younger. I used to go on the message boards and hang out, hang out with uh, Sam Loins back when his... His username was Sloins, and um, I can't remember what mine was, but yeah, if you go on it now, it's been like hacked by lifestyle bloggers. So you've still got the Akakoka header, and you've still got the their suggested videos of like Akakoka music videos, but then you've also got like dental implants and how to plan a wedding in Hawaii. And it's just really, I don't know why they chose akakoka.com to, to do that, but they did. It must just be some auto-generated shit where just a random website gets... Yeah, I think something happened to the Lowen, similar thing happened with Lowen, because, like, some guy was like, oh, we'll do... It was a really lovely man, actually, um, in Europe, was like, we'll do a website for you, it's all free, I'll do it for you, and he did it, and it was live for a long time, and I went on it the other day, and it's just, like, a blank page. So I think that just happens sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know the first thing about HTML, so, I mean, I, I couldn't build a website. I was terrible at MySpace. I was very unpopular because of that. I just don't understand it at all. No. My favourite MySpace profile was some dude... Pre- I know I was talking about how I hate parody accounts, but there was a guy <laughs> who used to pretend to be M. Bison from Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> like his quote or tagline was, I like to drink beer and smoke weed. And I just thought that was the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> that was a sense of humour back then. But, and you had all the different Toms as well. You had Upside Down Tom. Oh, gosh, yeah. And, uh, like Neopets, who's collect all the Toms. That dude's a legend. He got out at the right time, sold it for a shit ton of money, and unlike Mark Zuckerberg, isn't trying to take over the fucking world. He doesn't have a horrible karmic debt. He's no. not going to go to the lowest circle of hell, unlike some people. But yeah, so good on him. Good on Tom. I wonder if he still looks the same if he walks around wearing a, a white shirt and then randomly <laughs> looks over his shoulder at <laughs> <Yeah>. people. <laughs> yeah. I bet no one recognises him until he does that. Yeah. So doing people, oh shit, that's Tom. It's him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, bless him. Um, I mean, there's so much to say about this album um, and there's so much to say about Akakoka. The thing is, we'll probably, we talk about them so much um, and we're going to talk about them more for sure in future episodes. So yeah. I don't, I don't really know how far to go into them, but they are, like, they're my favourite band, so um, I'm pretty biased, but they are fucking amazing, and you should check them out if you like music. I think the thing for me is, with this particular album, and I've got a, a similar point, I'm going to make respectful wounds later on as well, like, this would be the album I would recommend to someone who yes. hadn't listened to Akakoka before. Absolutely, I agree. Because I feel like it's got enough accessibility and it's got all the core elements of their sound that's kind of strewn across all their albums yeah including like some of the more experimental uh, synth stuff that you hear on them say like the dark inside on antichrist um like that's prominent on prominent prominent jesus christ <laughs> on some tracks on this album as well so i think you know it's a good encapsulation of that sound It is my favourite album as well by Akakoka. It doesn't have all my favourite songs by them, but it's definitely the album that I go to if I want to listen to one Akakoka album. That's the one I usually choose because it's like, it's the easiest. After that, it's usually Antichrist or Renaissance and Extremist. Those are like the three that I really go into. Then Koran's on and then Rape of the Bastard Mazarin is like 
at the bottom. Not because it's terrible, but because I prefer the other ones. Yeah, well, there's, there's always going to be winners and losers in life, isn't there? So someone's got to be at the bottom. Sorry, Aka Hocker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> album number one, or whatever. Yeah. It's yeah. funny, it's because I don't know if you, you probably would remember at the time, but like um, when they were getting a bit of traction in the scene, they used to always, well, just the publications I was reading, always used to compare them to Opeth. Oh, no way. I think it was just simply because they've got that same light and shade, like particularly with the yeah. vocals and some of the, the instrumental clean passages. The... That is mad. And it's funny because you would never think they were two bands that sound similar. They don't, in my at view. At all. But they've no. got similar, like, components in terms of how they approach music. In but... terms of composition, I can see why they would say that. But, yeah, with, like, the vocals and the mood, I, I don't feel it. Yeah. But it's funny because, like, I think we all like Opeth a lot too. So yeah. maybe that they meant it in, like, a... I don't know. If you like them, you'll like the other guys. See, I kind of see it as almost like a butterfly effect thing where it's almost like, in an alternative timeline, the bands have kind of, like, just fractured off. Yeah. And you've got one band became Hacker and the other one became <laughs> Opeth sort of. Imagine if Michael Ackerfelt was the tit obsessed like guy that writes about ropes of cum like launching over nuns in churches. Yeah. Um <laughs> I just can't imagine it. Although yeah. his voice would suit the cleans. He has such a beautiful voice. It's yeah. so like but I kind of like how rough Jason's voice can be sometimes, like how affected his voice is. His like his I remember the first time I heard his um, harshes, particularly his deeps, I was like amazed at how like um, how kind of muted and muffled it was. Like yeah. it truly sounded incomprehensible. It's like he's being waterboarded yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But I like it. Like I, I think enjoy it sounds that really too. fucking cool. It's proper like animalistic and it's, I love yeah. his highs and his lows. I think he's got some of the best highs and lows in the game. Like because it's just sheer like fucking like hist- histronic highs and then completely it's fucking like subterranean wet lows yeah 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 really good I, I mean there's like there's that song um well it's not a song they have like all these interludes i can't remember if it's on this album but like, abaddon dying in the sun i think with like all these snarling dogs and stuff yeah and it's just yeah. really fun to like i mean me and shem will randomly just start making that noise sometimes because we're completely normal mentally yeah. stable human beings but it's really it's to me a kind of jason mendonca ish moment even if he's not necessarily making those sounds <laughs> it's just really like it kind of embodies his vocals for me those like snarling dogs and ripping flesh sounds um yeah it's a very it's a very ack moment yeah so should we move on to the uh, next one? <laughs> on that note, I believe so. Um, there's no point in rating this album because it's better than all the other albums ever ever made. Um, go check them out. Check out Renaissance and Extremist, their most newest edition. Hopefully more coming soon. Um, and then the next album we're going to look at is by Cobalt. The album is called Slow Forever. It was released in 2016. So what is your take on that, Floyd? Yeah, so um, I have been um, following this band since the um since the gin album which was the album previously mm-hmm. and um one thing i never knew was it was mixed by um dave otero who's the guy that mixed most of the cattle decapitation oh. albums and i really like his kind of mixing and production work like i know you like cattle really decap as well good but um i think this album well firstly it's fucking long mm. like it's it's, it's <laughs> a really long album for a start so it's um, so revisiting was uh, was an interesting one because um, for me anyway, when I've got a really long album, I really need to kind of zone out and sit with it and kind of just take it all in because because I've never really that's the cool thing about starting doing the reviews is is because um, some 
some ways I do have quite a short attention span. So to sit down from an analytical perspective and try and listen to something that is almost an hour and a half in length is like quite arduous. But I was like, you know what? Let me just sit back, take it in, and then I'll see what I fucking think of it. But one thing I do take away from the album, which I do really like, by the way, that was a really long and roundabout way of saying I like the album, <laughs> is um, it's, uh, it's quite a clear um, departure from their previous works, which were more kind of, I think, kind of more black metal or mm. black metal orientated. And I think that the musicianship on this album is a lot more um, mature. Mm-hmm. Like it just sounds so much more polished and, you know, just everything's composed in a way that is just a lot more kind of musical and, you know, just just really, really dug it. Yeah, I get you. I think this album is like, the energy on this album is insane. It's like really beautifully um sustained throughout the entire album which is as you say very long um i think on a vinyl this would be at least two sides it just feels there's like 12 tracks and there's a disc too on the um on the cd version as well apparently so that just kind of tells you how long it is even though i don't have the exact number because i'm a lazy researcher that's had a busy week um but yeah like it's this album is the album that i tend to put on when i'm going to go for a run because okay, it's the that's interesting. perfect album for running. Okay. Because you've got like the, the build up, I think, in Hunt the Buffalo. And that's the first track that I actually listened, I heard through Cobalt, thanks to Spotify, actually, from their playlist. They came on and I was like, what is this band? This band is amazing. And I always put this on before like a 5K because it's just the perfect, the, by the time you warmed up, it will just like blast into the first kind of crescendo of the album yeah and then you just feel like so energized you feel like you want to take on the entire world it's like great to pound the ground that sounds weird i won't say that again it's great to go for a run while you listen to it for sure yeah pound the ground is a phrase i've heard that before is it yeah. it just sounds kind of lame when i say it yeah maybe if i was american it would work and like a yeah. wrestler or something no well, it'd be lamer if you said it in an American accent. I'm going to do some ground and pound. <laughs> That's an MMA thing, isn't it? Is it is an MMA thing, yeah. No, I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot to get through on this album. My favourite tracks are probably... I really like the track Beast Whip. Yes, that's a good track. Uh, Elephant Graveyard is a great track because it yes. kind of has... Um, one thing that I think kind of comes through on this album a bit more is that kind of uh, that DB, sludgy, almost hardcore sort of uh, influence. I think it's worth noting as well, obviously, this is the first album featuring uh, Charlie Fell, sort of the new vocalist. Of Lord Mantis. Of Lord Mantis, who's got like more of a, his style kind of really reminds me of kind of more of a, a, a canate sort of, mm-hmm. more like actual real human screaming and yelling as yeah. opposed to the traditional sort of distorted, more kind of a robotic black metal it's approach. It's like black sheep wool shrieking that we like. Yeah. yeah. And it really, so it really reminds me of that. And also um, Steve Austin, not the wrestler. Stone Cold Steve <laughs> I was going to say. Uh, Steve Austin from uh, Today's the Day. No way. Uh, I don't know if you've heard them. They're a pretty cool band. They're kind of like a hardcore-y sort of... God, I wouldn't know how to categorize them because they've done so many albums, the noise projects, I suppose. But mm. he's got that same really shrill. It's kind of like, it's quite nasal as well. But it's, I think it fits quite well with the music. Agreed. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's there's a lot to say. Um, I think this is just one of those albums that once you listen to it, you kind of get it. If you describe it, it's really difficult to kind of convey just how explosive the music is because a lot of a lot of reviewers will be like, it's explosive, it's awesome, it's heavy, and I'm sure I do the same thing a lot. But this is like truly an explosive album. It's really um, 
it's just heavy as fuck really without needing to necessarily like rely on a blast beat or rely on like tremolo picking the whole time you know yeah i think that's a good point because to be honest i think they do that in much in the same way that neurosis do yeah and i think neurosis are obviously an influence i know that the uh, the multi-instrumentalist eric wonder Yes. Uh, used to drum for Jarbo, you know, a neurosis yes. uh, collaborator. Didn't he get kicked out or was it the other guy? No, so he's the, it's the former vocalist that was kicked out. That's right. So he is the guy who's always been involved with the uh, instrumentation. Yeah, I remember before, when they were, like, they announced the, the album, I think Wonder and the guy that got kicked out, at first they were like, oh, due to personal differences, Wonder was like, the other guy's going to do the album and he's leaving. And then they got back together. And then I think in the end, the other guy got kicked out anyway. Oh, okay. So it's a bit like confusing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was like 2013 when he said they were like going to start doing the beginnings of the album and it was released in 2016. So it sounds like it was a bit of a... Bit of like an arduous process. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You can kind of hear that coming through in the album as well, I suppose. (laughs) But no, and it's but you're totally right with the whole um, sort of uh, heaviness and the way that the tracks sort of build gradually, because I feel like that's something that Neurosis have kind of mastered, and I feel like it's something that's an influence mm. on them. And there's a lot of tracks like one of my another one I really like is Final Will, yeah, which opens with some really quite like really like quite high audible bass work, and it's got some really cool sort of eerie harmonics before it just. Like, and it's one of the few tracks as well that has more of the, the, the straightforward blasting and sort of tremolo picking more akin to the black metal style. But, um, but one thing that I love about this album is, like you said, when it hits the, their crescendos, like, you know, crescendo only works if the crescendo itself is worth listening to. Right, yeah. And that's one thing I think this band totally nails is they do have such a good ear for groove with the riffs that so when groovy. those riffs hit, they fucking hit like a yes. fucking elephant. Oh my god, it's like it's beautiful. It's almost like euphoric. Yeah. When you're listening to this, it's like from the beginning to the end. Whenever you, whenever they drop into one of those like insane heavy moments, you genuinely feel. I mean, I do. You just feel like this sense of like power and like energy that you want to just go and like lift some weights or something. And I, I think it's interesting vocally and um, it's similar in a way to Akakoka, not in terms of sound, but in terms of like how the vocals are constructed is that um, Fell is like, he's very percussive and the words that he uses aren't necessarily what he means, if that makes sense. So he's, he's, his lyrics are kind of constructed in such a way to sound cool and to like c- convey meaning through the sound and the percussion. And he still, it still kind of makes sense if you read them, but it feels like you're kind of getting an overall view of what he's saying as opposed to... Um, as opposed to like, like so in some music theories, like for example, in traditional Iranian music, when you're singing a poem, you don't sing the poem how it's phrased. You actually fit the words to the melody. Okay. So it's the other way around. So I feel yeah. like he's doing the same thing is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that makes sense. Because a lot of the time it's not sentences. It's just words that yeah. are just sort of interspersed there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and he'll, like, elongate certain words and then shorten certain words, and you're, like, not sure what he's going to do. And it kind of it kind of changes the meaning of what he's saying or at least takes the meaning away, but you kind of still feel it, if that makes sense, through his delivery. See, that's a really interesting point because I think when you've... The way you've phrased that makes me realise that I actually really like that. Me too. Yeah. Because I feel like that helps integrate the lyrics into a song. 
yeah. that can't be done in a way if it is, say, more prosaic or more like a, you know, because yeah. like a lot of the times, you know, you have a song and then, you know, you've got the music mm. and then you've got the lyrics and the vocals. Yeah, exactly. And they're separate. Yeah. And a lot of the times they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for slapping. For, for, for those who are listening, Shem just slammed the door. He was trying to be really quiet. <laughs> he just let the door go. It was just like, bam. <laughs> Anyway, what are you saying? I can't remember. It's all about lyrics and like fitting them in delivery. No, yeah, yeah. That was it. No, yeah, because like a lot of the times, you know, it's like it's not integrated into the music. Yeah. And that's why I like this sort of style of lyricism because it's it's a great way of kind of kind of intertwining it and making sure that you know that it it seeps through into the music as well. I get you. Have you ever read um, or seen any Samuel Beckett? his plays the way he plays with language well, and delivery Sammy Beckett done I'm going to look like a complete he's like, noob he's if I like, get this um, wrong he done waiting for Godot right yeah he done waiting okay. for Godot yeah yeah yeah. I really I really like how he plays with language I like that in poetry and um, and like poetic delivery I'm going to sound like a fucking wanker but you know I did English at uni so this is what I paid 30 grand for so let <laughs> me have my moment but I really like it when um, when poets and playwrights they do this when I, I think it's done in some traditional music, not in Western traditional, certainly in like in some Asian cultures that I know of, um, where like the the sound is is more important than the actual language. And the language is like um, is like a medium for the sound and the shapes of the words are. And then when you when you kind of feel the music wash over you or the words or the poetry, the, the actual percussive nature of language and the flow and the, the contraction and expansion of phrases is in itself a form of music. And like when you're having a conversation with someone, tone is, is kind of musical, right? Like the way yeah. you say, like everything we do in a way is music. The way when you have a conversation, you're having a slow one or a fast one or you're, you're changing the measures of speech. And I think music and poetry, you're, you're fucking with that and you're like seeing how that can change how someone reacts to a language presented in a certain way or sound presented in a certain way because language is sound right everything yeah. we're doing is sound i'm gonna sound like <laughs> i'm going into joe rogan mode oh my god <laughs> <laughs> the dmt's kicking it's in a, it's, the, it's the the new mics they've uh, taken over <laughs> yeah <It's psyche. laughs> yeah totally but yeah that's that's kind of what i'm getting at is I, I really like it i think i think this is unexplored in metal i don't think enough people are i think this is something that there, there will be Samuel Beckett's and there will be Shakespeare's when it comes to things. I think Al Cisneros is a good example, the way he uses language. Even System of a Down with Serge Tankian just having like nonsense words in his songs. Yeah. That's a good example too. And I think in like the heavier music, I would really like to see like the Charlie Fells doing more of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, you and Nob is like a, a very accomplished and talented singer ha. that you are. <laughs> that, um, that it's like... There's certain, like, even uh, vowels and words and phrases that you have to alter the way you do it to get the desired impact. And I think that was, you know, when recording vocals myself, that's something I totally kind of uh, have learned is that, you know, that you've really got to kind of deconstruct words Absolutely. So to deliver them properly. You you open up vowels when you're when you're singing, and you if you sang how you spoke, it would never sound as good. And this is often why people who sing sound American, because if you sing in an American accent, you're opening up all your vowels, which allows you to um, kind of project more, have better 
breath control and your pitch can it's easy to hit pitch so that's why when you when you listen to someone like corn or disturbed or whatever the guy is instead of saying me he says may yeah he says it's killing may it's horrible i hate it but that's basically what you do you say yeah. may you don't say me you don't say like there's some if you have a board go on youtube there's like some people that will like sing a song in an english accent and then sing a song in an american accent and you see the difference is so big and like even the way you can sing a song in that way is really different as well yeah it's it's true though isn't it because there's kind of like a you think you notice it in pop music there's a real sense of yeah homogeny there with the way a lot of things are kind of sung or totally. performed and it's um i suppose it's why i never hear anybody sing in a scottish accent <laughs> It's like all the, all, the, all the words are so harsh and stop at the back of your throat, you wouldn't be able to do it. So you've got great black metal. Yeah, unless you're the Proclaimers, because obviously they sing in a very distinct Scottish accent. Do they? Yeah, I mean... Are they the, the I would walk a, a thousand yeah. miles people? Oh, yeah. Up? yeah, I mean, that's pretty Scottish. Yeah. I mean, well, that sounded northern, that didn't sound Scottish. What a week up. Joker. Yeah, the Joker. The Joker. <laughs> well, there you go. That's our mini vocal lesson for the day. <laughs> Oh, one track, going back to uh, Cobalt, Slow Forever, very quickly, uh-huh. that was a very, um, had a very different feel and was quite a cool album closer, was the last track, Siege. Yeah. Which I think was actually a, uh, a bonus track. It's a hidden track, according to my copy-pasted Wikipedia thing. There you go. So I didn't do the research, I didn't know, I just guessed. <laughs> but yeah, but that had like a, almost a bit of a Godflesh kind of neurosis vibe about it. And it's very different from the rest of the album. So yeah. it makes sense that it was a hidden track because it totally threw me for six when I first listened to it. Interesting. Yeah, I, I honestly, like when I listen to an album like this, I tend not to pay attention to the songs, even if I'm reviewing it. To me, I guess that makes me a lazy reviewer, um, but, you know, partly not having time. I think if I had like a lot of time, I would want to go into them. But overall, the album kind of just leaves me with a distinct impression of it, as opposed to um, being able to take apart specific tracks, apart from maybe like Hunt the Buffalo, which is probably the best one, in my opinion. And it's kind of like kind of the title track, because that's when he says slow forever, I suppose, in the lyrics. No, but you're totally right, because at the end of the day, you know, when you've got an album that's 83 minutes long, yeah, you know, you're obviously trying to construct something that conveys something over a space of time. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to write an album that was to be dissected track by track, it'd be 40 minutes long or something. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. and it's you know why, and I think that's actually evident in their um, interludes that they use in this album as well. It's got a distinct sort of like Americana sort of feel about it. It kind of sounds like you're in like an arid desert. Yeah, it feels. I, like yeah, you tumbleweeds totally... weeds like rolling by and shit. Yeah, I mean, I never um, realised it, but I kind of knew it. And, and then when you said it, that was like my moment of, of course, yeah, you're totally right. There is like a sense of heat in the album. And he says gasoline and propane a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. Ah. <laughs> I just thought this is a thing that a lot of bands did in like the 2010s, like Ramstein being all like, <laughs> what is it about petrol that people like singing it's about? Pretty metal, I imagine. Petrol, isn't it? I mean, is it? Yeah, I mean, there's that, there's that pop song, was it Gasolina? Oh, and a gasoline. Nah. Yeah, yeah. I like that, I that song. Wasn't it banned for being satanic? Or was that a different song? Jesus. God, I don't know about that. I don't know. Maybe Probably I... anything could be banned for being satanic. Honestly, a little Nas X, you know. Oh, my God. I love, on... I love that track. Honestly, that's like my favorite song of 2021. It's so catchy. And the video is actually amazing. Yeah. I honestly recommend watching it. Yeah, I've not watched or listened to it, but I've heard of the, uh, the uh, 
for the, I suppose the backlash against it because it's very uh it's not that it's really not that extreme i knew it wasn't going to be that yeah. bad i knew it was yeah it's just like it's just because it's a guy that's black and he's giving satan a lap dance and then kills satan it's like well if you if you don't like satanism surely that's a good thing yeah that he like friend satan but i guess he becomes i don't know who cares the fact is it's a beautiful piece of art and he learned to pole dance i think for well, it, i'll give it cool. i'll give it um i'll give it a listen yeah i did share that meme it was um it's that meme of um splinter from teenage mutant ninja turtles yeah. he's holding uh little baby versions of the uh, tur- turtles hands <laughs> and it was like little little nas x on <laughs> all the, the black metal and, yeah it's like day aside <laughs> yeah. magic <laughs> it's true he is yeah. way more out there and metal than any of these black metal bands honestly like it's like that dog meme. It's like little Nas X is like the big muscly dog and all those black metal bands are like the little ooh, dog with like a little cut. With yeah. like a fucking it's like the, little, the, the hench Sheba and then you got yeah, like the, yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. I love that meme. It's so good. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, like I have so much respect for him. Um, I dare a musician to actually like, you know, do, do that, be that way. Especially someone that has such um, mainstream appeal. Right. he was number one for fucking ages deservedly so it's a it's a really good tune like i've actually been wanting to listen to it which i never do of any form of non-metal music i don't think he was number one with that song he may have been i don't know oh really was it he was number one one for ages with a track he collabed with with billy ray cyrus oh my gosh yeah was it billy ray cyrus i I don't know i could be chatting utter bullshit no idea i think it is is that miley cyrus's dad yeah no way i did not know yeah he had it was called um old town something and it was like was it that, that was it, yeah. It was number one for the longest time. I, mean, I don't pay attention to chart music. Me I neither. wouldn't know, but oh, I remember cool. there being a lot of uh, hype around that track. So, yeah, fair play to the guy for um, uh, broadening his horizons. Yeah, I mean, this is really funny because just now on my phone, a band called Spectral Groove just liked one of my Instagram <laughs> posts. <laughs> this is why I don't know any band with Spectral in the name. Like, can we just can That's we just re- rename them all and just have yeah. one Spectral band, please? It's a tricky one. And I remember when I was um, Spectral Wound, who we'll be reviewing soon, um, and I was reading the comments to their, um, I think, Profound Law, who released it. I know the comment. I saw it too. Well, it was just like, I thought this was Spectral Voice. Yeah, um, it's the best it. mistake but, but I've this, made. Yeah. <laughs> I think Spectral Voice are the uh, side project of Blood Incantation. No way. So you've got them. You've got Spectral Law, who are the Greek one-man black metal band. Love and then Spectral guys. Wound, who are the Canadian black metal There's band. There's also a band that we're playing with soon called Spectral Dark Wave. <laughs> I've done guest vocals yeah. on one of their songs as well. So there's like a billion spectrals out there. I'm pretty sure there's a few more. It's like death metal bands with gore as their prefix. You've got gorgasm, yeah. gore guts. Yeah, I feel like gore is a bit easier because it's like more... I, I, don't, I just didn't expect spectral to be such a commonly adored word. Yeah, it's, it's become quite a newish thing. Like these bands have popped up within like the last sort of yeah. six or seven years. Yeah, I wouldn't expect it to be... Um, so popular i suppose but yeah yeah any last thoughts on uh, slow forever no just i think um yeah i just want to give another shout just the guitar work i think it's absolutely i think it's a marked um improvement from previous albums and whereas i do like what i do enjoy about the previous albums is that it's got more of a sort of a, a black metal feel to it which mm. is good and that suits those albums but i think there's been a definite upgrade in musicianship. Musicianship, <laughs> Jesus. With um, I've moved house recently, so I've not had much sleep. Bless you. Yeah. And um, 
No, it's... Um, and I think um, you're probably not going to like this, but there's at times where it even reminds me a bit of Tool. <laughs> like it's definitely I can got see some, why you'd say that. Yeah, some yeah. Undertow era Tool kind of vibes at times. That's like, cool. and I'd be surprised if he wasn't a Tool fan, but yeah, it's got that kind of... Uh, no one's perfect. That lysergic kind of vibe about it at times. <laughs> I like that. That's a good adjective. Lysergic. Um, yeah, well, I, I agree with you. Um, this is a brilliant album. This is another kind of um, shared love that we all have for this band they're just bloody brilliant i hope we get to see them live one day and um yeah shall we move on to spectral wound let's do it let's do it before we do that some uh, i remember the fact i wanted to say which i thought was really cool floyd's facts here we you go mentioning uh, christopher lee yeah earlier and um did you ever hear what he said when um stabbed in the back yeah <laughs> Damn it. I'm Such a good fact, I might as well have just said, do you know Aragon broke his toe when he kicked the fucking <laughs> That's crown? That's the first thing <laughs> I thought of after you said it. Yeah. yeah. Such a cool fact, though. It's an amazing fact. For people who don't know, why don't you tell them? You, 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 I'm going to fuck it up so you can do the others. <laughs> so basically, Christopher Lee, um, on the set of Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson was directing, I can't remember who it was, maybe you can fill me in, Floyd. He was directing two actors, and he's like... Um, the actors are playing out the scene and and Chris Willey is like, that's not the sound a person makes when they're stabbed in the back. And Peter Jackson is like, why would you say that? Because he's like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it verbatim, I think. Yeah. yeah. Basically, Chris Willey used to be a spy and he also has fought in some wars, I believe. Was it, which what war was it? Um, I don't bloody know. God, wouldn't know. I thought it was like, there was like another one. I can't remember which, but he, I'm pretty sure he was, he was that. He was also a spy and a direct descendant of Emperor Charlemagne. Yeah, because that's why he named the album that, right? Or is that, yeah. no, that was the name of his project, right? Yeah, exactly. Charlemagne. Charlemagne and he released nice a Christmas name. metal album. <laughs> I know, he's so cool. I miss I him. The biggest one, he was the inspiration for James Bond, right? Yeah. Was he? Yeah. Shit, I did he not know that. He was friends with the guy who wrote it. Ian Fleming. Yeah. Ian Fleming. Yeah. No, I did not Ian Lymphatic Fleming. <laughs> I was literally thinking about Flem. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I don't know why. I she just we just both gazed into the distance and started thinking about Just think what bands have Flem in it? That's a gore grind band. <laughs> oh, there's definitely a Flemmy gore grind band. There must be like a like a Yeah, there was a band called Lymphatic Flem I used to jam back in the days. That is a horrible name. <laughs> such a That's bad disgusting. Name. And it had like the it was the the early carcass school of like fucking overly long medical Nice um, terminology. It's like that Mexican gold grind. Oh, band. the longest name in the world. Well, I think they, there was a band called Para something 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 Osis. Yeah, which has a super long name. But there's now another band. Oh no! That has a super long name, and their album is just called Gore. <laughs> and I can't remember what the name is. We'll, we'll look it up at some point. I bet that some journalists mix it up and think they're called yeah. Gore, which is a really good name for a band, but very difficult to search on Google. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Well, good for them. I mean, it must be really annoying when you've had, like, the longest band name in the world and it's like, why you named your band that? And then someone else just does it with, like, one extra letter? Yeah, because then now you're just a band with a really long band name and you're not, <laughs> yeah. even, you're not even the longest band name in the world. You're just you're the second longest that's band name so in the world. That's so annoying. And it's like, it's just fucking, that's your shtick ruined. Imagine if you just got their name and then put an S on the end, like in Scrabble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or just do an entomb, just put AD at the end. <laughs> so it's just, you know, or... ADBC Venom Inc. Do like a C circa and then the band name and then BC. Yeah. Do it like that. Yeah. And then an S as well. Like at the, yeah, before the yeah. BC. That would be really good. We should do that. 
wish wish my band name had an S in it because I totally redesigned the logo to have like the school S, you know, the super oh, S. Oh yeah, that'd be that'd awesome. Be sick. You should totally do that. Yeah. I think Miles will be into it. I think so. Miles, are you into it? I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's a resounding yes <laughs> from Miles, who is not in the room. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, spectral wound. Yes. Um, my first impressions of this was fucking hell, it's fast. It is very fast. So, Spectral Wound, a diabolic thirst. This is their third album. So, they are a, uh, a black metal band from Montreal, Quebec. Quebec? Quebec, Quebec. We've Quebec. had this discussion before. Right? It is Quebecois. Quebec. When Richem was like, Quebecois, I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what sound did you make? But he was correct. I stand corrected. It is Quebecois. So, you're right. This is a very fast album. Um, yes. I'm quite interested to hear on what your take on this album is. I actually really liked it. I wasn't expecting to. The f- at first, I was just like, oh, God, one of these. Um, but then I was like, damn, this is actually really good. There are, there are bits where, um, you know, I don't, I'm not a headbanger. I'm, I'm a, like, chill, take it as it is, like, whatever, when it comes to shows and listens to music. But I did find myself nodding my head. This is the second time this year that that's happened. Um, it's really catchy in places as well. The riffs are good. Um, I'm just, sh- I'm shocked. Like, I'm, I'm enjoying... You're, you're making me like black I, I know that's what you wanted to do, um, but I'm just, you know, it's just a relief that they're not bloody Nazis or anything. So I, I let myself really enjoy it, which I normally wouldn't with this kind of music. I'd just hear the guitars and be like, oh, I mean, I've got to go Google them now and look at their lyrics, which you, I can't find their lyrics. I'm sure I they're out there. I can't find their lyrics. Um, but, I, you know, they, it just seems, they seem awesome. I like, I like, the, the thing I like the most about this band isn't their music. It's the fact that the singer professionally reviews wine. And if you go on their on their Encyclopedia Metalum page, his picture is him in like a cut, and he's like sampling some wine in the glass, and he's got he's got this like look of like extreme appreciation on his face. He's like his eyes are slightly narrowed, his brows are, are somewhat kind of contracted, and he's just angling this glass and taking a good sniff, and he's like, mmm, that's some good wine, and I just love that. It's really. Yeah. Akakoka esque, dare I say? It's very um, Gal Gorgorov Satan yeah. interview era yeah, with the wine glass. Um, yeah, I just I really like that. They, they obviously um, they seem like cool people. Um, it made me want to drink wine, but not like I don't know. I wanted to drink Duna Jam wine as opposed to UK rainy weather wine, um, which is pretty intense because I don't normally want to. Um, yeah, it's just bloody cool. The the covers mad. The cover is as chaotic as the music. The drumming is just like fucking big, fast. The guitars are big and fast. There's like a bit of contrast here and there, but it, it just felt mainly relentless, which yeah. was cool. See, I think this is the thing, like, because you um, listened to a fair amount of black metal when you were first getting into the. Yeah, scene, I listened so to, speak. to black metal for a good few years yeah. and not much anything else. I used to go to like free black metal shows a week at the Unicorn and places like that. And, you know, it's very much um, uh, a similar thing has happened, much in the same way as the death metal scene, where it's become so oversaturated. Yeah. It's very, very... You end up missing a lot of good music because it's so homogenous, and there's times that we just do not have the time, nor the effort, really, to really delve into so many albums because it's like okay i've heard this before right exactly i I don't want another a band i don't want another band to follow that does a similar style but and that's the cool thing about this album is that they aren't doing anything particularly new 
Uh-huh. Like there's nothing like it's a very traditional sounding album. Like there's a lot of second wave elements. Like it, at times it really reminds me of uh, Sargeist. A lot Another, of people on the YouTube were like Sargeist, and I was like, who are but, these guys? But they sound cool. It's totally true. It's it's a definitely a good um, sort of comparison. You know, that same kind of a. Uh, it's that utilization of the uh, the tremolo picking mm-hmm. to kind of convey or invoke emotion or that sense of despair that they both do very very well. And you know, there's a lot of second wave elements, and you know, and I think that's why this album has captured the underground's attention because a lot of people kind of, well, on my Twitter anyway, a lot of people seem to be losing their shit about this album. Okay. Um, and I think it's because when you've got a band that takes these things that have been done before but still manages to somehow make it sound refreshing, write the songs in a way that they sound energised and impassioned, then it just works. And it just shows that you don't necessarily always need to be doing the most experimental shit imaginable. Right. Which is kind of what's happened in the black metal scene. You've got the two extremes at the moment. You've got bands that are so steeped in tradition Mm -hmm. that they're just treading the same ground that's been treaded for the last 30 years now. And or you've got the other side of the coin. We've got bands who are so experimental that it's just way too fucking out there. And it's just like fucking complete noise. Yeah, it's um, more inaccessible. And, and I think that's why the point I was making before about the Akakoka album, uh, words, uh, words That Go Unspoken being the album I would recommend, is that this would be the album I would recommend to someone who hasn't listened to black metal before. Oh, yeah, I can see why. Because I think this has got enough of the the uh, core elements of black metal that give you a good representation of what the scene has to offer musically. Yeah. And and yet it doesn't sound hackneyed. I, I, I get you, because like to me it was kind of refreshing because it sounded to me how black metal sounded when I first started listening to black metal. And yeah. I was like... I, I was coming in with fresh ears and fresh eyes and I didn't have like the jaded kind of experience that I've had in the scene. Um, Cause like the main reason I stopped, stopped listening to black metal was the people and not the music. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, no offense to the majority, but like there were a minority that made it very difficult for me to be in any black metal show for a long time. But yeah, um, like the main, the first thing I wrote down when I listened to this was that it's like, obviously so fast, but then I was like, the, the guitars sound like fawny. The, the, the music sounds, it sounds like a landscape to me. The guitars are like thick, thickets of fawn. Like yeah. you can see the cold landscape around you. And the yeah. fact there's like very few lows, it's all very high. Everything's very shrill and high in the mix. Um, and like not forward, but high, if that makes sense. And those like that tremolo picking, it's like, it, it, I literally wrote down, it makes you feel cold. It makes you feel like you're being buffeted by cold mountain winds. Um, and like, I, yeah, I, I really love Frigid and Spellbound. It's like super groovy and those drums are like really pounding. And then they burst into this like flurry of shrieking and tremolo guitars. And like, I really like how they've obviously thought about how the atmosphere, like obviously atmosphere is so important in black metal. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. but they've really like refined the atmospheric element of this album without having to be like slow and agalock-like a lot of the time. Yeah. Like they've done it whilst being fast, which I think is really impressive because a lot of the time people are like, I'm just going to be really fast, I'm just going to be really fast. But they've done it like they've actually been really, they've had a tailored approach, I think, in yeah. a way. And I think, you know, you bring up a really good point because I think, you know, yeah, 100%, like, that is what black metal should do at its core is invoke yeah. that atmospheric sort of feeling of whether it be, you know, a cold atmosphere or, you know, 
icy tundras or whatnot. Is there any like... desert black metal? Is there black metal about like the baking heat of the desert? Is it all cold? cold? That's cobalt, what really. Is, what is? Yeah, I guess it's cobalt, yeah. but that's like the American desert. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. It's well. The funny thing is, um, obviously, we've uh, despite their uh, storied history, uh, I always <laughs> found that Aglock's music was quite a summary at times. Oh, I think that yeah, yeah. Like, what is it? Neil to the cross on the wall. Yeah. Summer is coming on. Yeah, God, it's, it's been just a while since I I, like that. I, I used to listen to them in the summer. I thought they were like a summering band. As I think they're to both. Because obviously, falling yeah. snow is like the thing that I used to just put it on when it was snowing. I yeah. think I actually got into them because I was on Facebook when I was like sixteen, and it started snowing. It was like one of those years where there's loads of snow, and some some like black metal person I had on there posted falling snow because yeah. it was like, ah, oh, it's snowing, and I was like, oh damn, this is the music for the weather. It's perfect. Let me yeah. let me listen to this. And um, that's how I got into them. Obviously, I listen to them now. Um, but yeah, that's a very good point. It's definitely relatable. It's, so what I like about Spectral Wound is um, their two previous albums are not anything... They're very good albums, but they're not anything overly special. Mm-hmm. So it's obvious that this album, they've kind of honed their craft. And, yeah. and what you were saying about how it's like super fast in some sections. And I think... At, when they're at their best is when they're super fast because they could do it in a way where you can still um, kind of pick out the emotive qualities of the yeah. riffs and stuff. But what they do on this album, which I think they've kind of also really upped their game on, is kind of there's a lot more dynamics in the in sort of like the the tone of the music and the speed as well. Like one of my favorite track on the album is uh, Mazolio Drift. Which is a problem. Mausoleum drift. Mausoleum. Fucking. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those words, mausoleum. I was thinking, of course, it's a mausoleum. But, like, you know, you see, like, a variation of a word you've never said out loud before. Uh, before I read that, I was thinking, fuck, I've never said this out loud before. I'm going to fuck it up. Shem does that a fair amount. We usually do that with a word earlier, word. You, what was it you were saying? No, I, I pronounce everything correctly the first time. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you absolutely 100% do not. <laughs> <laughs> some random word anyway yeah sorry i didn't mean to but yeah it's this is a really dynamic track because they've got um much in a similar way of uh that cobalt done on mm. their album it's got quite a slow build and it's got that kind of that eerie foreboding kind of like classic second wave black metal atmosphere but then it um then it builds and builds and then with um that tremolo style super fast riffage that is quite akin to sargeist but um and then I think about seven minutes, 20, I've got noted down here. It's just like the, the climax or the crescendo of the song is just completely super empowering. And um, yeah, and I just loved it. And it, it fades out with a nice kind of like Tom heavy, you know, some nice tribal drum work and a, mm. a good atmospheric outro as well. I love a good tribal drum moment. Yeah. I think this album kind of reminds me of Cryptic Shift in a way, because it's got that similar kind of controlled chaos element at times. Yeah, it's, yeah, I could see that because I think... I think that's largely helped by the drumming a lot of the time because yeah. I think in black metal, you know, the drumming can be pretty formulaic, but sure. um, it's always great when you hear uh, good music that actually does have a good drummer as well, and you know, and they're not afraid to be a bit more experimental, you know, especially with um, the cymbal work and stuff. There's some great like sort of rides and crash work on this album, and I think that you know that it helps keep things kind of a bit more frenetic, but also um, controlled as well. I'd be really interested to hear how you feel about this because when I listen to any music, the most important elements for me are the vocals and the drumming. Oof. I see. I think there's definitely moments where that's not the case, but I think 
overall, because to me, a lot of people put a lot of emphasis on guitar work and like the guitar sounding a certain way. But I feel like actually that, that you can have a lot of bands with shit guitar, but if the drumming and the vocals are good, it doesn't matter. God, that is a that is a million dollar question right there. Maybe See, I know. Do you know when I was because I always wanted to do vocals? Like the vocals used to be super super important to me. They still are. Like mm. they still are important. But I think through years of what not wanting vocals to ruin music, I, t- I kind of trained myself to be able to drown out vocals that I didn't like. Mm. Like if I thought vocals sounded a bit shit. I'd be like, okay, I can phase that out in my mind. Oh, that's interesting. And focus on the rest. Yeah. It depends. I mean, if they're super high in the mix, then you can't, there's, yeah, not, there's nothing you can do. But, you know, a lot of the times I'm quite good at drowning stuff out on an album that I don't like. But no, I agree with you in essence, because I think the rhythm section is super important. 100%. And I think, you know, the bass is, I mean, everybody knows that bass is the most underappreciated yeah. component. <laughs> bless the bassist of the, of the scene. world. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, mean, I mean, God bless them. But in metal, a lot of the time, you can't fucking hear it half the time. Yeah. But like, but which is always why I appreciate it when it does come through. But like, sure. you know. The bass is so important. It's so important that the rhythm section are in tandem with each other. Yes. Because if that sounds like shit, then Everything it doesn't matter how like amazing shit. the guitarists and the vocals are, because that's going to sound utterly dog shit. Absolutely, I agree. Uh, you're right. Uh, I think it's a, definitely a personal thing. I don't think there's like an objective thing, but I think that's the most objective answer you could definitely give, is that's the first part of a band that will start to fall apart if it's not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I'm very sensitive to vocals. I'm... If it's scream, not so much. But if it's clean, I'm like I'm immediately analysing it from like a Terminator point of view of like crosshairs and bloopy yeah. bloops on the screen in my head. Yeah, it's like that. If you've seen that GIF of Alex Jones scanning something, it's like <laughs> scanning. <laughs> yeah, funny GIF. But no, it's um, I agreed. But do you know what I think? I think um, for me, when all the components in the band are working, I think when vocals are done right and very well, that's what elevates and catapults that music to the next level it's the most human point of contact with a band yeah you know, it's like the point of emotional connection um you know there's like some instrumental music that's incredible but like the most iconic i don't know i feel like some of the most iconic pieces of music are pieces with an emotional yeah element to it which i think you can't convey unless you're a master musician yeah um without using a vocal yeah, I agree. I think one of the few instruments that I think truly gets close to that is probably the violin or string instruments. It's a spo- yeah, you can you can treat it like a spoken yeah. instrument. You can you can literally make a violin sound like a voice, but that's that's I think the reason why. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why I, d- I do dig a lot of classical music and Chopin. Just, yeah. His violin stuff, his scherzos, I can't say it, but they make me weep. They yeah. make me weep. And Bach as well, obviously. Just so good. And like you yeah. could totally... I mean, there's about two million fucking articles on the internet <laughs> about, like, oh, metal and classical music have so much in common. Yeah, but it is do. true. Like it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit of a, a cliche thing to say, but it is actually, you know, there is a lot of commonality there. The things that we appreciate about metal are the same things that you would appreciate in a classical piece of music. Like the... I don't think that a lot of pop fans who are really into pop will be like listening listening to a mix and being like i love where they've placed a guitar oh look the how they've done this transition like you don't think about that when you're listening to Miley cyrus i think but um i think that with metal because of the because like you have a standard like you have in classical music and you can either use it to in the standard way or you can manipulate it and 
a lot of the outcomes and the ways that things are used, like positioning, like the the way an orchestra is positioned historically is interesting. Like the first time where you stand in a room was kind of discovered as a thing that affects music was like a monk who did like the Gregorian chants. He realized yeah. that if you position monks in different bits of a church, it like it changes the way that music sounds. Ah, yeah, yeah. So like, you know, they realized, oh, if we group the sopranos like this and we group the tenors like this, and if you, if you have a certain, if you have like a low thing over there and a high thing over here, then you get this different experience. And I think a metal person would be more interested in that. Yeah. And probably as interested, and you can see that in certain bands where, like, you you always have placements of things and manipulations of things too. I think that's really cool. Yeah, that totally reminds me of that Converge documentary or Converge, <laughs> um, where they're talking about the making of Jane Doe, and it's totally just reminds me of that how they put so much time and effort into thinking about how things would be, and it just makes so much sense. Like, you know, it's. Music will, if you go in and you've got a sterile approach to recording music, mm -hmm. then it's going to sound sterile, right? right? So, like, yeah, I mean, that's why I've always liked production that's a bit kind of raw, I suppose, because I feel like, like you say, um, with the vocals, I think it's similar. It's got that more of a human, yeah, raw element to it. A lot of, um, like, violin music is often, not a lot, there's, there's some really iconic violin music like uh, Mendelssohn. He did a whole kind of range of pieces of violin where he tried to imitate bird music, bird calls, Ash, because yeah, he was yeah. obsessed with how birds made music because, like, you know, I, I don't know if they knew about whale calls and whale songs back then, but he found that fascinating. He wanted to emulate it. In Iranian singing, the kind of weird yodeling is supposed to imitate a nightingale singing. Ah, okay. So you, you kind of have this, like, you know, art imitating nature thing going on. But, you know, I don't know. Um, it's interesting how you can get an instrument and you use it to emulate stuff. Yeah. And it's kind of through that that we've gotten certain incredible iconic pieces of music and how that that is an interesting thing that we do with it why we want to do that in the first place is weird right yeah yeah i suppose that's why also uh botanists music kind of resonates with a lot of people right because mm. it's totally sounds exactly like sounds like plants yeah <laughs> there's an awesome electronic album by an artist called mort garson called um plantasia and it's music for plants like he wrote this music specifically for plants that's amazing um, and it's it's actually awesome. It's a yeah. really beautiful. You'll you'll just feel happy listening to it. And he's literally written like odes to certain plant species and things. And it's just like it's kind of bloopy bleepy music. It's like very seventies kind of sixties stuff. He's still around. He still makes stuff. I I honestly recommend it. Um, it's really different. But when you you listen to it, you'll you'll feel a sense of pure joy. It's just so wholesome that it's like a worship of nature, an appreciation. It's like, instead of making music for a bunch of people, he's making it for some plants. It's just so nice. It's called Plantasia, he said. Plantasia. I will check that it's shit It's on Spotify. Out. Nice. Yeah. So uh, do you think that covers it for today? Do you have any more things on Spectral Wound? No, I just want to say, you know, I think um, uh, this band is going places. 100%. I haven't seen an album kind of, in the black metal scene anyway, capture or garner as much as a buzz, as much of a buzz since probably uh, Batushka's first album. Because mm. when that came out, when that dropped in 2015, everybody kind of collectively lost their shit. Oh, hopefully no one's going to be a Nazi in this band or like a dickhead or no, no one's going <laughs> to... Imagine if like they all split and every every member made another spectral band. 
<laughs> yes, yeah, you had spectral wound ink, spectral wound AD. Spectral wound, spectral law, spectral door, spectral yeah. handle, spectral, I don't know, just keep going through Spectral objects. spectre. <laughs> Cosmic spectral spectre, yeah. But no, I think uh, this is definitely, um, I think anybody that's uh, a fan of sort of extreme music, um, and I recommended this album to a few friends, mm-hmm. and... Um, I said, you guys just need to check this out because it's just it's some of the most well-written black metal I've heard in a long time. Amazing. So it's, it's not doing anything new, but fuck me, is it is very well-written. It's doing the thing well, the yeah. standard thing. And, and sometimes well. that's all you need to do. Absolutely. You, know, you, you, need need to... every, you need every colour of the spectrum to enjoy the full spectral spectrum <laughs> rainbow <laughs> of life <Yeah>. and music, <laughs> I think. Yeah. That was really I mean, yeah, well done. It's... I think, you know, experimentation for the sake of experimentation is boring mm-hmm. and doesn't sound organic. You know, you've got right. some projects, you know, whether it be Zillard or, or any other experimental artists, can't think of any other one at the moment. Um, <laughs> you know, like when it's organic, it works. But yeah. if you're just doing it for the sake of... Well, it doesn't feel experimental when you're doing it. In a yeah. way, you're, you're like, you, you don't, you're not like, I'm going to do an experiment. I'm going to do this and that. I think when you approach it in a formulaic way, yes, absolutely. But I, I, you're, what I feel, what I agree with what you're saying. You know, when it comes naturally and people are like, wow, that's, that's different. That's experimental. You're like, actually, it's just what I wanted to do. Yeah, that's why Opeth's later albums work better because they totally yeah. just, I mean, obviously they're, they're experimenting they with using the know the sound, but, they, yeah. but they've just been like, well, fuck it. This is what we want to write now. Okay, it sounds fucking good. Like, I like the new shit. Exactly. So... Just write what you want to write, innit? Sounds do, simple. Do you. You, you do, do you. you. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I think we can do we? No, that sounds like we're going to piss. We can do one. <laughs> we can do one and off. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Feel free to like, subscribe, follow, insult, stalk, abuse. Don't. Um, maybe I shouldn't say that anymore. Um, <laughs> forget it. Forget what I just said. Feel free to... Like and subscribe, follow and be nice to us. Um, send us presents in the post. You don't need to be nice to me. I don't, I don't mind. Are you, please be nice to me, though. I'm very sensitive. Yeah, yeah. I have very delicate feelings. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. If you made it this far, damn, I'm, I'm actually not imagining many people would. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm grateful if they have. We're going to do more. Feel free to suggest more bands. We're going to check out 1914 soon, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah definitely. A thank great you for album. the suggestion. Um, yeah. And we've got some good, exciting guests coming up. We do. Next few weeks. We do, we do, we do. So, um, yeah. Catch you later, alligators. Till next time. See you and goodbye.